Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Stop trying to see the full picture. If you could see the greatness that God has prepared for you, if you could see the full picture, that full picture is so terrifying that that will put you into paralysis. I have given up on this whole, like, I've got to see the 10, 15 year vision. I see it fuzzy. You know, it's interesting. I told you I was in the Marine Corps, right? So in the Marine Corps, when you are learning marksmanship, you get your weapon, right? And you put it in the pocket of your shoulder, your little M16, and then you rest your chin on the handle right there. And you look down and there's a little stick at the end of your barrel. And when you are taking a shot, you're not looking at the target. You're looking at that front sight post. And what you want is a fuzzy target with a clear front sight post. You want a fuzzy target. The very thing that you're trying to hit should look fuzzy. And the only thing that should be clear is the thing that's right in front of you at the end of your barrel. That's how you make the shot. So for those of you that are like, I need a vision. I just can't see it. I'm so afraid. All you have to do is take the first next step. And how we determine that is you think about the goal that you want to achieve this week. What is a micro step? And then a question that you can ask yourself is what would be good to have done? And this, what would be good to have done allows you to have a moment of future casting for yourself. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business 
so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so we were actually introduced by a mutual friend, Tony Puri. She is the mastermind behind all of the amazing speakers that we had at the Our Money, Our Power Summit in Puerto Rico. And I had known about you, but... I didn't know you personally. And once she shared your story with me, I was like, oh my God, I got to have this woman in this conference. And let me just tell you, from everything that I have been told by attendees, you were by far like the breakout star. Like people were just losing their entire shit over you, your book, your talk, your energy. And so I'm just so excited to introduce you now to the greater Yo Quiero Dinero audience. Because girl, you're a badass, okay? <laughs> Wow, mira, se me paran los pelos. Wow. That's such an honor, really. I'm speechless and I usually have a lot to say. So that's saying something. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with you doing an introduction for folks who don't know you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. Thank you. Well, I am the author of the book, Permission to Offend, The Compassionate Guide for Living Unfiltered and Unafraid, which by the way, yesterday was number one overall in women in business, which is a very tough category. And I just have to go ahead and give myself those flowers because I'm such a proponent for women, especially Latinas, to actually celebrate themselves. And I remember one time my husband, this was back in the day. So y'all don't come from my boo. He's grown. But back in the day, he wasn't as evolved. And I was really proud of myself. And I walked into his office and I was like, oh my gosh, guess what? This just happened. I'm so great. I'm the best coach ever. You know, I'm just so excited. And he looks at me and he says, why are you like that? And I said, why am I like what? And he goes, you're always celebrating yourself. Like, why do you do that? I said, because if I don't celebrate me, who will? I'm a solo pronoir. I, it's just me and my team. And it's nice that they celebrate me, but nobody is promoting me. Nobody is dishing out awards in this little island that I live on. You're not celebrating me. So who else? And then he kind of looked at me and he, he made some reference about being humble. 
I said, so you think that because I'm proud of myself, that means that I'm not humble, that I, are you saying that I'm boastful? It opens up this big gaping conversation. And I know that you're probably saying like, what does this have to do with who you are? I just wanted an intro girl, but that is part of who I am. I am a proponent for people standing in their truth and really honoring what you believe and what you value, even if it means having uncomfortable conversations, even if it means offending other people. I've been a life coach, a certified master neuroscience and life and business coach for 13 plus years. And I am just here to set you free from the prison in your mind so that you can make more money, make more impact and leave a legacy behind. Amazing. You have quite the story. Okay. And I definitely want to dive into get to know you because you did not, you know, you were not born wanting to be a, a master neuroscience life coach and serve the world and blah, blah, blah. Your story started very differently. So take us back, take us back in time, kind of walk us through your childhood, what that was like. And what do you think some of the biggest lessons were that you learned during that period that led you to where you are today? The biggest lesson that I've learned is perseverance and faith in God. So if I have to say like the, your secret ingredients is having a lot of faith and faith is believing in what you cannot see in order for you to even activate your faith, it has to look like it's not going to happen. It has to look like there's some level of impossibility or big gap from where you are to where you want to go. Otherwise it's not faith. Otherwise you're just waiting, biding your time. My childhood was very tumultuous. Both of my biological parents had AIDS and my mother, my biological mother passed away when I was three and a half years old. My father at that time was HIV positive. And you have to remember, this is way back in the day when we were not even really talking about AIDS like that. In fact, when people had AIDS at that time, they would do closed casket funerals because they did not know enough about the disease. In fact, I remember that my biological mother's birth certificate said that she died of natural causes. And the reason that they did that was because at that time, even some funeral homes wouldn't take the body if they found out that the body had died of AIDS. So that was the season that we were living in. And my father made the decision to give me up to my godmother. So shout out to my mommy, Carmen. She's my mom for all intents. She's the only mom I ever knew. That was the woman that tucked me in at night, that said her prayers with me, stayed up with me when I was sick, right? That's my mommy. Anyway, so my dad gives me up for not adoption. And this is an important part of the story because when he gave me to my godmother, I remember I have this very vivid memory of crying in the bathtub. And I actually share that story in the book, Permission to Offend. But I'm in the bathroom and I'm crying. And I just remember screaming, like begging him, Daddy, please don't leave me. Please don't go. I saw him after that. But there was something about that moment that I kind of internalized, like, this is it. He's gone. And I didn't realize it at four or five years old, but only later on in life could I have the cognizance that I also started telling myself a story at that young age, multiple stories. Number one, everyone I love leaves me because I loved my mom and she left and I loved my dad and then he left. I told myself another story that I had been abandoned and rejected because I listened to how crazy this is, Janice, and this is the power of our stories, right? For good or for bad. I had a belief that my mother chose to die. 
that she didn't fight hard enough to live. That if she wanted to survive, if she really wanted to live and take care of me, she could have made it because my dad didn't die. My dad actually lived until I was 19 years old. And dude had HIV and later full-blown AIDS. I didn't realize it growing up, but disease affects everybody differently. Some people have never gotten COVID. Other people got COVID multiple times. So, but it's again, the power of stories. So the reason I say it's important to recognize that part where my father didn't give me up for adoption is because my whole youth, I told myself a story that my father had abandoned me, that he had given me up. He had turned his back on me, even though I saw him throughout my life intermittently. You know, the reality is that he wasn't the father that I wanted and needed him to be. And I think that there are many people out there who can relate to having a parent, a caregiver, or even a partner that they love, that they want to be loved by, that is just not showing up for them the way that they want or need. And in their iniquity, we start making meaning about ourselves. So in my father's iniquity, the meaning that I assigned was I'm not good enough because if I was good enough, he would want to be here. And the other thing, Janice, is that my father ended up getting married to another woman who had a daughter. And she lived with them. And I remember thinking, why are you taking care of this woman's daughter? She has a father. She has a mother. And you're not taking care of me. And I would call my dad and be like, daddy, can I come and stay with you this weekend? And he would say, I'm sorry, Loy. He used to call me baby Loy. I can't because I don't have the money. And I remember thinking, but you have money for her. What I didn't understand, again, you're going to hear me say this over and over again. The stories that you tell yourself will either hurt you or help you. And so you want to start looking for the stories in your life to amplify that give you the most power, that give you the most faith, the most hope, the most belief in yourself so that you can move forward. Because what I didn't understand then is that that girl did have a father and her father paid child support. Again, foreign concept because my father did not pay child support, okay? So there was a moment where my mom, my mommy Carmen, decides she wants to adopt me. Really, it wasn't her deciding. It was me like, why can't you adopt me? Why can't I be your real daughter? Again, another story I'm telling myself that I'm not her real daughter because she didn't adopt me. A ridiculousness. (laughs) So they, they right, so dumb. So they go down to the courthouse or my mom goes down to the courthouse and my father does not show up. And this is back in the day before cell phones. You know, you had the pay phone, but that was it. He never shows up. She goes home, she calls him and he picks up the phone and he says, Comay. That's what he used to call her for comadre. Comay. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't give her up. You see, my father was telling himself a story too all these years. His story was that as long as I don't sign the papers, I never gave up on my daughter. And my story was my father gave up on me the day he left me in that bathtub. Those stories led to eating disorders. I have very low self-esteem, very low self-image. I'm a very short girl. I had these big Coke bottle glasses, giant feet. Like my feet grew and my body just was not catching up to the size of my feet. I used to get teased about it. 
I just felt like crap overall. I was a dancer and I loved dancing, but then puberty hit. And I remember my dance teacher saying, you're way behind. You're never going to get there because you don't have the right body. You don't have good feet. So you're being told over and over and over again, you're not good enough. You're not enough. And then your father left you and your mother's dead. And you don't really know where you fit in because I'm Puerto Rican, but I lived in New York. So when we would go visit Puerto Rico and to the island, Tú eres de allá afuera, ¿verdad? like you're I from out that. there, you're not really, yeah, you're not really Puerto Rican. You're American. But then I would go to school in a middle class, you know, upper middle class private school And it was like, well, you're not white, you're Puerto Rican. So I never really felt like I fit in. And then here's the other thing. It's just so many layers. Whenever people ask me this, I'm like, you sure you want me to tell this story? Like, I feel like I should be giving some tips here to the listener. Listeners, I'm going to give you some tips too. But the thing is that there's just so many layers that every single one of us has endured. And I know that those of you that are listening to this podcast, like I know you've had something in your life too. I know that you've been through some stuff. So maybe you can empathize or maybe you can see yourself in some of my story, but I just didn't feel like I belonged because I, as I said, my mom that raised me was an RN. So we were like, we did well. We had vacations and private school and, and dinners out. And then by contrast, my father lived on welfare. So when he said he didn't have money, he really didn't have money. And I remember I would go and I loved, he used to have this block of cheese in the fridge and he used to slice it for me real thin, like a deli. And he'd say like, off the slicer. And there's like very warm memories. And I remember one time coming home from a visit with my dad and I said, mommy, can we get the block of cheese that daddy has? Mira, mira, eso de volver, eso de volver. No, ni, ni lo diga. You know, like she would just lose her mind of like, no way. That is low class. We would never ever have that welfare government cheese in this house, right? And then I would see my half-siblings because I had half-siblings from both of my parents and they lived in the Grand Concourse they, on Webb Avenue, 195th, like just undesirable neighborhoods. And there was this juxtaposition of like, you don't ever want to be that. So I didn't fit in with them because they were quote unquote less. And I don't believe that about my family, by the way but there was some programming around there. Like you should want to better yourself. And that was something that my mom always ingrained in me. Like superate, superate, superate. You got to be better. You have to rise up. You're the one that's going to college. Her thing was like, you are going to college. I told your mother that I was going to take care of you. You're going to college. You're going to be the one to make it. I feel like I'm going to get emotional. Like there was just so much pressure to be better than my family to be better than the people that I loved. So all of that just created this perfect storm of insecurity, limiting beliefs, self-loathing, self-betrayal, and somehow throughout all that and some physical um, abuse, um, not from, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who, whatever, I was abused. And that was painful too. So all it was just like trauma after trauma after trauma. But you know, Janice, there was just something in me that I just knew that there was a reason that I was here. And there was this like, the only way that I can describe it was like this glow in me that felt so much bigger than my little four foot 11 body could contain. And it was like, I always felt the Holy Spirit 
just telling me like, you're going to be big. You're going to do big things. You're going to do things like you can't even imagine that, that we're going to do through you. But the struggle is part of the journey and, but it doesn't have to always be there. And this is a message that I really want the person that's listening to anchor into. Struggle might be part of the journey, but it doesn't have to be with you the whole journey. And struggle is not required for success. There is a conditioning that we have. There's a programming that in order for you to have a breakthrough, you have to have a breakdown. Sometimes there is a breakdown before a breakthrough, but you don't always need that. And you don't always need a struggle. And if you grew up in a wonderful, loving household and environment that doesn't make you boring, that makes you blessed and fortunate. And you can tell that story to the other people who think their lives are boring because they didn't have any trial or tribulation. So I was on a quest to prove myself to myself and to the world. So I joined the Marine Corps. That was awesome. Loved the Marine Corps. And then I discovered life coaching and I loved life coaching because one thing I know about me is that I am here to heal. I am here to help facilitate healing, emotional healing, mental healing, and even now as a triple negative breast cancer survivor, physical healing. I'm a great encourager. Like if you're feeling down or if you need someone to hype you up, me, you call me, I'm the ultimate hype woman. And so that's kind of the trajectory. Every trial and tribulation, every setback was an opportunity for me to dig into my faith even more faith in God, faith in myself. Cause here's the other thing. And this is for those of you that call yourselves Christians and you keep saying, well, you know, if it's God's will, then it'll be icon el favor de Dios. But then you're not doing anything. You have to give God something to bless and you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that whatever God is trying to do through you that you can actually execute because some of you don't have because you're waiting for God to do the thing that God is waiting on you to do, right? So we're meant to be co-creators. We are meant to actually be the vessel. But if you're constantly leaving it for God to pick up the heavy lifting, like God is not here in the physical. He's only here in the spiritual. There are some things that you physically have to do. You physically have to start your blog. And if you didn't get Janice's program, maybe she'll open it up again for you. And when she does, like, go ahead and slide in because you have to create the blog. You have to start the podcast. You have to get up in the camera, whether you feel pretty or not. I'm in my pajamas. I made a commitment this morning that all my podcast episodes are now going to be in pajamas because I want to show you like, look, I'm in pajamas, okay? My hair is still wet, and this right here is a hairpiece, okay? Boom. I'm put it back on and see if I can make it look cute again. Because you have to be the one to start the thing in the natural that God will then finish in the supernatural. And that requires faith and belief in yourself. But if you don't even believe in yourself, what do you believe in God? It's almost like an insult. It's a slap in the face. You got a chance to live today. You know how many people did not get that blessing? Someone right now just died. God protect them and their family. And you and I still have breath to have a conversation, to make a difference, to change the financial trajectory of our family and future generations. And we're over here sitting, Dike, the algorithm isn't being nice to me. One person is still an audience. So you show up and you give that one person everything you have. And that's what I'm about, Janine. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so many questions. Let's start with where do you get your faith from? Because I can imagine being in the environment that you were in, growing up, seeing the things that you saw, it's very easy to become a completely faithless person where you just don't believe in anything. So where does that come from? Well, the daily renewing of my mind. So people think that faith is you get it one time and then it's just with you and it's good to go. But it's like anything, you know, going to the gym, having success in anything, it's a daily renewing. So for me, every day I have to choose my faith and make no mistake, as a Christian, I have a lot of doubts. I question God routinely. I think that God is probably up in heaven like this girl again. Same question, Rachel Luna. Same, you're going to ask me the same question again. Again, you want to know how Jonah survived in the belly of a whale? Yes, I want to know again because that story still blows my mind. It still sounds impossible. I still want to know if Joseph and Mary were playing just the tip. Like I have questions, but because I understand that faith is a muscle and I don't need all of the answers from here until the end of the story. I just need enough of an answer. I just need enough faith to take the first step because the more action steps you take, the more confidence, the more courage, the more faith you will have, the more evidence for or against whatever you're believing for. It's a muscle. I work at it every single day. Yeah. And what you were talking about earlier, when you're talking about the folks who sit back and wonder why things are not happening for them, right? There's this concept of manifestation that a lot of people talk about that it's like, oh, just think about the thing you want to do and it's going to happen. It's like, no, y'all, that's not what we're talking about when we say manifestation. It is literally taking action every single day towards the thing that you want to create. It is not writing things down in your journal and then not doing anything about it. It is not praying every day and not doing anything about it. Like that action piece is so critical, but so many people get stuck in making that choice because they want to be able to predict the future. They want to be able to predict 100% success. What do you say to those folks that are like, you know what? I'm so scared to take the first step and this is why I keep reliving shit, but I I just don't know how to get past that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Here. There is a couple of things there. So let me first go into the part of manifestation because the word manifest literally is defined as to make appear. That means that you have to do something to make appear. So that's where the action. Secondly, faith without works is dead. So even if you have the faith and you're thinking and believing, do you understand that receiving is also an action? And some of you do not even know how to receive. Some of you have access to resources that you're not accessing. I'm going to say that again. You already have the resources, but you are not accessing them. You're not asking for help. When you actually have help, you're rushing to do it yourself. You're micromanaging. Some of you have team members and assistants and help, and you're not letting them be great. You're not letting them do their part. You're not delegating because you have this belief that if you don't have all the answers and you don't know how to do it, then it can't be done. I like hiring people that are smarter than me that know how to do the things that I don't know how. I still have a concept. I have an idea of how it all works. But if you are waiting to be right about everything, then you're going to be waiting for a long time because nobody has all the answers. So stop that with the perfectionism. Okay, that's the first part. Now, the second part is how do you take action when you are so afraid because you don't see the full picture? That was the question, right? Yeah. Stop trying to see the full picture. You have to understand that if you could see the greatness that God has prepared for you, if you could see the full picture, that full picture is so terrifying that that will put you into paralysis. And I know this because I I remember I had one client and she came to me and I said, all right, this is what we're going to work on. I knew what she wanted to do. And I gave her like one little baby step. And she was pissed. She was like, but I don't understand. I said, just go and take this one action. So she goes, she comes back next week. I'm paying you all this money and I just don't see where we're going. I don't see how it's going to. And she is like yelling at me. I said, okay, I hear you. You sound frustrated. And I think that what you're thinking, and I just kind of did some reflection back to her. She goes, yeah, that's it. I just want to know, like, how does this whole thing work? I said, okay, cool. Let me show you. And I laid out for her every single action step that she was going to take over the 12 weeks together and what it was going to look like. And then I showed her what the maintenance was going to be. And you should see the color just left this girl's face. And she goes, oh, I get it. I see why you didn't want me to see the whole thing. Like, I don't think that I can do that. I said, I know you think you can't do that. That's why I'm giving you one step at a time. That's why I'm the coach. That's why I have the plan. Because if I gave it to you all at once, you would run away from your anointing. So I have given up on this whole, like, I've got to see the 10, 15 year vision. I see it fuzzy. Let that fuzziness, let that be, you know, it's interesting. I I told you I was in the Marine Corps, right? 
So in the Marine Corps, you get a little prop here. Okay. So in the Marine Corps, when you are learning marksmanship, you get your weapon, right? And you put it in the pocket of your shoulder, your little M16, and then you rest your chin on the handle right there. And you look down and there's a little stick at the end of your barrel. Okay. That's called the front sight post. And when you are taking a shot, you're not looking at the target. You're looking at that front sight post. And what you want is a fuzzy target with a clear front sight post. You want a fuzzy target. The very thing that you're trying to hit should look fuzzy. And the only thing that should be clear is the thing that's right in front of you at the end of your barrel. That's how you make the shot. That's how you get one shot, one kill. Okay. So for those of you that are like, I need a vision. I just can't see it. I'm so afraid. All you have to do is take the first next step. And how we determine that is you think about the goal that you want to achieve this week. What is a micro step? So if you want to produce a podcast, for example, like I want to get my podcast up and running. Okay. All you need to do today is research podcast hosting platforms. Are you going to go with Libsyn? Are you going to go with Podia or Pod suite, whatever. I don't even know them. I use Libsyn and they don't pay me. So go <laughs> do whoever you want to do. <laughs> That's it. Just go do that today. And then a question that you can ask yourself is what would be good to have done? And this, what would be good to have done allows you to have a moment of future casting for yourself. And I look at it from 10 o'clock tonight when I'm going to bed, really 9, 9.30, because I like to go to bed early and get my beauty sleep. You know, your girl's looking young for a reason. Okay, so <laughs> um, what you want to do is you want to think, it's bedtime. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, right? But at 10 o'clock tonight, what would be good to have done such that when I go to bed tonight, I will feel good. I will feel proud of myself. Pick one thing, a, a bunch of things might come up. Pick one thing. You do that one thing and then you ask yourself, okay, what would be good for me to have done right now? Would it be good for me to have rested and called it a day and done self-care? Sometimes the answer is yes. Would it be good for me to have done one more thing? And if the answer is yes, great. Now let me look at my list. And you spoke about journaling. I'm a big proponent for journaling, Janice. I teach a whole course. I've been journaling for years. There is so much power in journaling when you do it effectively. Chapter nine of my book, Permission to Offend, breaks it down, but I'm going to give you some nuggets right now. But if you want like step by step by step by step, go to chapter nine. So what you want to do is the third step in my method is called the script. And in the script, you're going to write down what you desire as if you already have it. But not only that, you're going to write down what you did to get the things that you desire to have as if you already have it. So for example, when I was writing my book and I wanted it to be number one, I remember visualizing number one in women in business and we have been number one in women in business overall multiple times. It's just awesome when you wake up one day and it's number one again, and you're like, oh, okay, look at you, God, you're doing the most. <laughs> but it's not just God doing the most. I did the most. I wrote the book. I wrote the proposal. I found the agent. I did all the marketing. So 
When I was writing the book, I remember writing, I am a number one best-selling author, and I was so scared that it wasn't going to happen, but I know how the algorithm works on Amazon. So I reached out to 50 people and I got them all on board and I will just start writing down all of the steps. By the time it was ready for me to market my book, I actually had so many different marketing strategies. I couldn't even implement them all. There are still things in my journal that I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea. We got to do that to market the book. That is the power of journaling because there are going to be days where you don't feel like doing anything. Have you ever had that, Janice? Like you wake up and you're like, ugh. I know I'm here for big legacy and I just don't feel like doing nothing. Like I've done enough. All these people can buy my course. They can listen to the podcast. They like, we're good. (laughs) Okay. We all go through that. On that day, you can open up your journal and look at the script and pick one action and just do that one thing. If you just did one thing every single day, you would be further than you sitting around trying to figure out how to do 18 things today because it's part of your big goal and you're rushing to some finish line. And the last thing I'll say about fear is that I personally believe that fear is a spirit, not a passenger. I read this book by Elizabeth Gilbert one time, and I was excited because she said that for her, fear was a passenger. And it could go along with her for the ride, but it couldn't change the station on her radio. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's such a great way because, you know, do it scared. And like fear can be with me, but it's not going to control me. No, I don't even want you in the car, fear. I don't want your weight dragging me down. I don't even want to hear you in the back seat acting a fool because it's like, tate quieto. Okay. No, you don't even, you don't even get to come. So for me, fear is a spirit and I command it to go because I have authority by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. Now I know somebody listening is not a Christian. Figure out whose authority you fall under. Maybe it's your own authority, but fear doesn't have to control you. It's meant there like now neurobiologically, let's talk about the neuroscience, right? So there is a part of your brain called the amygdala. That's where your signals kind of light up. That's where it's like, oh my God, the sky is falling. Wild animals are coming at us. There are rational fears. So fear is meant to keep you alive. But for the fear that you're experiencing when you're thinking about your business, when you're thinking about how you're going to change your family's financial future, those are mostly irrational fear. So you can then say, okay, what am I really afraid of? What is the fear? Is it rational? Is it true? Is it a fact? Now, I know that for some of us, the fear is that if we make money, if we become millionaires, if we separate ourselves from the pack of our family, then family members are going to say, ¿Quién tú te crees que tú eres? Who do you think you are? Oh, tú te crees que tú eres la gran cosa? Oh, because you got a condo in Puerto Rico? Good for you. Are you better than us? And maybe they will say that. But does that help you and your future generations to give into what they think, to what they're going to say? Or does it help you and your future generations to say, you know who I think I am? I think that I'm a generational curse breaker. I think that I am the person that is going to change the financial trajectory of our family, of our lineage. That's who I think I am. And you know what? I think I can help you too. I don't want to leave you behind. Come on, let's do this together, family. 
buy my course, buy my program. Yeah, family, buy each other's courses and program. No free rides over here. Let me tell you a quick, quick thing. I know I'm talking a lot, girl. You have barely asked me no questions. Don't bring me onto a podcast if you don't want me to talk. But it's interesting because my cousin the other day, several of my family members have purchased my programs without me even knowing. The cart opens and they buy it. And then I see them on the first call. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, prima? The other day, another one of my cousins reached out. She said, hey, my organization is wondering if you're available for a speaking engagement. I was like, yeah, sure. And don't you worry, because I told them no freebies here. And I said, well, what's their budget? So she told me their budget and it was like nothing. And I said, well, is it virtual or in person? She said, oh, it's virtual. I said, you know what? I'll do it for you, for her. She's done a lot to support me. Like she has just been so generous with her resources and everything. And you know what she said to me? She said, absolutely not. I will rather pay you out of my own pocket before I let you do anything for free for us. That's the kind of attitude we need to have with our family members. Facts. And just people are trying to help us in our own community, right? There's always this idea that I found like that it's, we can't trust each other that if it's coming from here, it's somehow a scam and we got to go look to like maybe a white person because they're more like honorable or trustworthy or whatever. It's just like, there's so much toxic narratives and shit that are keeping us super small. And I want to ask you about this concept that your book revolves around this permission to offend. The title itself is like, why would we want to be offensive, right? Especially when we are taught as Latinas, calladita, te ves más bonita. Just don't do anything to make la gente hablar. Que van a decir la gente. Like there's so many narratives around just like be quiet, be pretty, do not say anything crazy. And you're just like, nah, fuck that. Sorry, we're not doing that. So tell me, what does it mean to offend? Like what's that word mean to you? Yeah. So great question. Also, I remember just hearing you like, no digas nada. No digas nada. <laughs> like that threat, you know, and you know, if you just said anything, even accidentally, it was like you, that was your ass when you got home. So for me, permission to offend is not about intentionally hurting people or picking fights or creating division and chaos. In fact, the way that I look at permission to offend is it is a compassionate invitation for more connection and community. And the reason I say that is because when you give yourself permission to offend, what it really is, you standing up for what you believe, for what you value, taking a position for it with empathy and compassion and recognition that maybe we have a difference of opinion. Maybe we have a different belief and value system, but instead of attacking each other, we're going to get curious. And so I'm going to seek to understand you. And if you're following the tenets that I outline in this book, then you're seeking to understand me. And then together we will hopefully find some sort of connective tissue, some common ground. If we don't, then we just respectfully go to our respective corners of the world. Let me give you some examples. You've heard me talk about God like so much in this one conversation. There are still so many people in my community that are not Christian, that don't believe in God, that they're Buddhist or Jewish or Hindu or whatever. Pick a religion. I am still very welcoming and loving to them. And they are still very welcoming and loving to me because I respect their beliefs 
and they respect my beliefs. And because we have this mutual respect, I have the freedom to talk about God and to give God credit and glory as I see fit. And they have the freedom to talk about their God, their deity, however they see fit. Now, within that, you can create boundaries. And I talk about boundaries in chapter four, because I do have a boundary. Like I'm not down with Satanists, period. I respect your right to worship whoever you want, but like, we're just not, our values are so different. Our beliefs are so fundamentally different that I, in this season of my life, am not available to even engage in a conversation with you. And that is totally fine. We need to normalize not agreeing with people without condemning and attacking and crucifying them because that doesn't help our community. That doesn't help our society at your event. By the way, I can't wait for next year, our money, our power financial summit. Y'all better get tickets as soon as Janice puts it out. And don't play with like, can we get tickets? Can you do it again? Can you do it the year app? No. As soon as she drops the dates, clear your calendar, put in your work request and put your deposit. Okay. Sorry. Plug over. But, um, you know, shout out to Charlie, Traveler Charlie, right? Because Charlie is a member of your community and now a friend of mine too. So shout out to Charlie. And from what I learned of Charlie very briefly, Charlie's non-binary and as a Christian, like I know what I was raised and I know what some churches say is like, no hell, fire, brimstone, blah, you know, but the belief tenant that I lean into is that I'm going to show the love of God first. And I'm just more interested in knowing who Charlie is versus like as a person versus who Charlie is as a gender. And that's a different kind of a conversation, right? So with permission to offend, I am interested in us having these really difficult, hot topic conversations, not so that we can attack and divide and persecute each other, but so that we can find common ground and connective tissue. Yeah. It reminds me of like how we need to get just very uncomfortable advocating for ourselves in different arenas, right? Like yes. it can be offensive to someone to ask them to pay you a certain amount of money, but that's not actually your problem. It's like, they could feel however they want to feel about it. They could pay it if they want to work with you or they can choose not to because, oh my God, quien te crees? And that's really not your shit to own. And there are just so many scenarios in life where it's like you just standing up for what you believe in, for what you think you deserve and not apologizing for it is, I think, the most powerful position to be in because you don't allow these external forces and what people say to dictate how you show up in the world and what you can acquire or accomplish. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because when I look at permission to offend as a entire body of work, it is actually more about your relationship with yourself first and foremost. So I give the examples because people always ask me like, well, should we be offending people? And I, I want to share how that actually helps your relationships with other people. But really permission to offend is about the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself, with your identity. Because once you are rooted in your identity, once you understand what is true for you, what you value, what you believe, what your boundaries are, where you want to go in this world, then you can start setting yourself free from the prison in your mind, from those stories and narratives that have been holding you back. So really it is a journey of self-discovery 
And through that journey of self-discovery, you get to form these incredible relationships with other people, more productive, more powerful than you could have ever anticipated for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Latino families real quick, because we are of a special breed where there's a lot of guilt, shame, coercion, control that is used to force us into careers, to force us into marriages, force us into life decisions that we then wake up one day and we're like, who the hell's life is this? This is not what I wanted to do. And then there's this existential crisis that so many of us find ourselves in when we're trying to dismantle those identities that we've assumed for everybody else. And dismantling that identity can be one of the most offensive things that you can do to Latino parents. So what do you say to folks who are navigating that right now that are just like, look, I know that whatever it is that they wanted for me, that's great, but it's not the life that I want. How can I exercise my own individual will and desire to create this life that maybe they don't agree with, but still hopefully maintain those relationships because those people still matter to me? I have an entire chapter about specifically that in the book, Permission to Offend. And I know I keep referencing it, but that's really why I wrote the book because it's all these questions that we have and it's in-depth work. But to get you started, what I'll say is, first of all, before you can even advocate for yourself, you have to get right with yourself. You have to accept that this is not the life that you wanted, whatever they kind of coerced you. I remember my mom wanted me to go to business school. I thought I was going to be like a theater arts major because, you know, I'm a clown. I love to perform. I love to tell my story. You already know. You see me, right? Like I'm very expressive. Like I get down on the floor on the stage. That's what I thought my life was going to be. And my mother was like, you better don't. You're going to business because I told your mother on her deathbed that you were going to make something of yourself and you need benefits and all of these things. And I did all of those things. I did what she asked me to do. And I realized there was this one day where I was working in corporate America and I was so depressed. I was taking three different medications. I called them my uppers, my downers, and my in-betweeners because I, I needed that just to survive. Like it's true. I mean, we can laugh about it now, but I was crying every day. And I called my mom and I said, mommy, I'm going to quit my job. Mira, no, tú estás loca. But Rachel, piénsalo, piénsalo. Benefits, eh, seguro. I'm like, mommy, I am dying a little bit every single day here. I feel like I'm losing my soul in this job, which was so dramatic, but that's how big it felt to me in the moment. And I had to first just get right with the fact that I was going to disappoint her. And so one of the things I say in the book is allow yourself permission to disappoint others so that you can stop disappointing yourself. They're going to be disappointed, but you know when that disappointment is going to turn into pride and like big time orgullo? When your freaking face is on the cover of the book and you have a book signing in Fifth Avenue at Barnes and Noble where there's a line of 150 people waiting to take pictures and to have you sign their book. By the way, this is my real story. When your book is in the window on Fifth Avenue, when you are sitting on the stage of Studio One at the Today Show, that's when the pride comes in, when you actually defy and you overcome their greatest fear because the reason that they want you to have that security, the reason they want you to be a doctor or go to school or whatever it is that they've tried or, or be in that relationship is because they want you to be secure and they want you to be taken care of. 
And when you try to do something that is different, where they don't have any sort of perceived security, perceived assurance that you're going to be okay, it is crippling for a parent. And you only know that as a parent. My daughter had recently had just a tough 15-year-old experience, and there was nothing I could do for her. I remember getting angry and feeling so helpless. And I stopped because I, I was about to project on her. I felt it, right? This is what happens when you haven't healed those wounds. And a lot of our parents in the Latino community, they were never allowed to go to therapy. So they have all these generations of old wounds, unhealed trauma. So our parents did not know, they still don't know how to regulate their nervous system. So I could feel myself getting angry. And I'm in my mind, I'm getting ready to project and be like, I, I told you, and we need to do, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? Because as a parent, you feel helpless to your child's pain or to whatever you perceive to be an instability in their future. And I just took a deep breath and I just reminded myself, like, Rachel, how you choose to respond will stick with her forever. How you choose to respond will create stories in her that you will then have to help her dismantle or pay a therapist or a coach to dismantle, right? Because she might not even want anything to do with you depending on how you respond. And so I just hugged her and I said, honey, it is so hard to watch you in this situation and to be hurting and to know that as your mother, I cannot stop this pain. But I can tell you that I love you and I support you and that this is one moment. It's not going to define your whole life, even though it feels that way right now. And I'm so sorry that you're hurting, but daddy and I are here for you. And then I went into the bathroom and I put a pillow on my face and I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> screaming. So if you are in that situation, if you're the child, grown up, grown ass adult child, and you're about to defy the odds and you're going to go against the grain, just remember that your parents are looking for security. And the best thing that you can do is say, mommy, papi, you raised me right. You did your job. And part of your job is letting me go and make some mistakes and take some risks. But I promise you that every value that you instilled in me that is worthy, I will hold and live up to it. Every value of being a good human being, of providing for myself, every risk that I take is only to strengthen our family legacy. Please support me. I love it. That is so powerful. And when you come from that perspective, end up giving the reassurance that a lot of caretakers want to hear, you know, I think it's a lot of projection. It's a lot of projection because I always have to remind myself the reason why my parents made the decisions they made was because they sought stability. But by them seeking that and providing that for me, my highest honor and my highest duty, I feel like, is to live out the unexpressed dreams that they gave up in order to provide that stability. That's right. And then you can always remind them, like, listen, corporate America, these employee-based jobs, those are not going away. If it doesn't work, I'll promise you, I'll go get a job. You're not going to see me on the corner or dancing on tables. Or maybe you will. Maybe you'll do an OnlyFans. I don't know. Don't let me limit you with my exactly. projections. <laughs> 
Rachel, I feel like we could dive into so many different topics that we're going to have to have you back on the show. But for now, I would love for you to tell us about how you actually help women, people of color, folks who are looking to level up in life and business. Where can we find you? Tell us all the things. Yes. Well, first of all, since you're already listening to a podcast, go ahead and subscribe to my podcast also titled Permission to Offend. That should be easy to find. You can follow me on Instagram at Girl Confident. I love hanging out over there. And then my website is rachelluna.com. I currently have two programs. One is called Permission to Make Bank, where I help you get more confidence around marketing and sales. Like So the, the mindset of marketing and sales so that you can go out there and really speak your truth. And it's okay to alienate people, by the way, but that's for a whole other day. And then I also help you get certified. So if you're interested in neuroscience-based life coaching certification, then my program certified would be the next step for you. So thank you. Oh, and of course, you know, go buy the book, Permission to Offend, available on Amazon in English, Spanish, Kindle, audiobook, all the things. Awesome. And we'll make sure to include all of those links in the episode show notes so you can go ahead and follow Rachel and all the amazing things that she's doing. It really was an honor to be a part of the Our Money, Our Power Summit with you, to have you there, to see the real world impact of the work that you're doing and experience it in person. I have loved watching folks tag you in the stories. They're reading your book. They're quoting all the things. So just thank you for showing up in the world and for really like I think it's so powerful when we have these transformational experiences in life and we don't just like keep that transformation for ourselves. We spread it out there in the world. And as a fellow Boricua, I'm just so proud to call you a colleague and a friend. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me with your audience. I don't take it lightly. So I love you. Love you. Thank you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.